With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Step Discussion for another Monday night. This is April 9th of 2018. And uh, we only got two months to go and... I believe it's going to be nine years that I've been doing this without a Monday night missed. Amazing. Amazing. Started in June nine years ago. But we're here again, just like we always are. And I'd like to welcome everybody. And I'll do a very quick disclaimer and tell everybody that this is Dallas Debt Discussion. We discuss debt issues, consumer protection issues, FCRA, FDCPA, TCPA. Sometimes we get into some other things, but uh, it's about education. <clears throat> In no way, shape, or form is anything said here legal advice unless there is an attorney that comes on this call, identifies themselves as such, and states they're giving legal advice. Otherwise, there isn't any. So when we're discussing things, you're not hearing any legal advice, and if for some odd reason you interpret it as that, you're making a mistake. Don't do that. If you want legal advice, go find yourself a bar-licensed attorney. Uh, they will be more than happy to dispense legal advice to you because that's their bailiwick. That's their job. That's their uh, vocation, and that's what they get paid for. And. They get paid pretty well, most of them. So anyway, you're not going to find it here. We're all about education, about helping people understand the consumer protection statutes, how to properly use the courts, and how to, uh, at times, interpret case law that's out there, uh, how to find certain things. Uh, basically, it's just to help people deal with the situations they find themselves in. And one thing you want to keep in mind is that when you hear us say something like, well, you want to do this or you want to do that or you, you, you should file a this or that, please understand the context in which we are stating that. And that context is very simply that we are speaking in terms of what we would do if we were in your situation or a situation similar to yours. We're not giving you any kind of advice. We're making a suggestion on what we would do if we were dealing with that situation. So please take it as such. It's up to you to make the determination uh, what is best for you to do. And it is. it should always be what you feel is best for you, no matter what you are doing. And any of this stuff, anytime you're dealing with a, the legal uh, realm in any way. Uh, what's good for one person isn't necessarily good for another. So everybody has to do what they feel is best for them given the circumstances. We can give you some pointers on things based on experience. Now, what kind of experience is brought forth here? Well, 
Terry, John, myself, the three moderators on this call are litigators in federal court. Uh, collectively, we have a pretty substantial amount of experience, but that doesn't mean we're experts, not by any stretch of the imagination. We've learned a lot through our own experiences. We've learned a lot through study, through reading, through talking with attorneys, and uh, just a, a myriad of different experiences that we've had. But <clears throat> we do have a, a pretty substantial amount of experience litigating in federal court. So we're not just coming on here and spouting stuff about, oh, well, you know, do this or that. You know, well, where'd you get that? Oh, I read it on the Internet somewhere. It sounded pretty good, so I thought I'd say it. No, that's not what you're getting here. Um, we speak from a, a pretty fair amount of experience. But the bottom line is, if we know something, we'll tell you. If we're not sure, we'll tell you we're not sure. And if we don't know the answer to a question that possibly somebody has asked or you know, is dealing with a situation, we will try and point you in a direction where you very possibly might find the information, the correct information that you are looking for. Uh, we're not here to sound all important and all knowing. Uh, it's all about making sure that people get good information and are able to stand up and defend themselves when their rights are violated because that's what everybody should be doing, but that's not what people do. And there's a myriad of reasons for that. The biggest one is people aren't taught anything about the law and they aren't taught anything about the courts in our educational system. And that is not accidental by any stretch of the imagination. It is very, very intentional. But that doesn't mean you can't learn. Because when I started into this endeavor a few years ago, I knew nothing. And if somebody, before that, if somebody had told me, well, you're going to be litigating in federal court and you're going to have multiple federal court cases going at once, I would have told them they were stark raving mad. That federal judge would eat me up and spit me out. I don't know anything about federal court. Good grief, I couldn't even go into a state court. I don't understand any of that stuff. Oh, my, what a little bit of time and effort will do to change that simple fact. Because here I am. And I'm here every week, just like Terry is here every week, and John's here just about every week. We're here to help you but you have to help yourself because we don't do it for you. So with all that said, uh, again, welcome to everybody. Uh, we always start with good news. And if anybody has any good news, all you have to do is speak up. You do not have to hit star eight to raise your hand, which is what we ask people to do when we get into Q&A. If people have got uh, questions for us, we'll, uh, I'll announce that when we're going to do that. And all you have to do is hit star eight. But good news, we always like to hear, no matter what it is. You know, maybe somebody arranged a settlement. Maybe uh, uh, somebody had a good outcome in a hearing or, you know, they they won something. You know, it, it runs the gamut of lots and lots of different things. So, excuse me, if anybody has any good news, let's hear it. All you got to do is speak up. Well, today... Uh, it, it kind of threw me a little bit. I had sent in, as the court instructed me to, um, my first amended complaint because the one I sent to the clerk got stamped as 
proposed, we were talking about before. And so I had to send it all out all over again. And I did that, and I figured it would get there today, and it did. And it was docketed. And then right after that was docketed, a notice was docketed giving all the defendants 11 days, not plus three or anything else, to respond, all of them. And then... Um, I had, when I had spoken to the clerk, she told me to prepare the summons and send it to her with the amended complaint, and she would stamp it and mail it back to me to be served on the new defendant, Equifax LLC. So that's what I was expecting to happen. But the next thing I notice, it's just like bing, bing, bing. One thing after another gets on my docket. And the next thing that gets on my docket uh, is it says proposed summons. So I open that, and sure enough, it's a copy of the summons. And I'm thinking, well, this is just weird. That's not what she said. And Less than a minute later, bing, again, something else hits the docket. And it's a notice telling me to just download it off the docket and serve it. So I do not have to wait now for the clerk to stamp the summons and sign it and and mail it to me so that I can get it served. So all of that was rather a surprise. I had no idea it was going to happen that way. That's not what she told me. Um, But that's exactly what happened. I sent the summons. They docketed it as a proposed summons. And then I get an order to just download it because it's official with the court stamp on it, you know, when docket number and uh, just serve it that way. And so that is... Well, it's kind of obvious that the uh, judge is wanting to move things along with your case. It it does seem that way to me. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that, okay, they're speeding up the service process by doing it that way, and uh, he's also just giving them 11 days to answer. Well, I don't think it missed his notice that Equifax never came into the case at all until I amended the suit. Well, that could be. But bottom line is he isn't giving them 21 days. He certainly isn't. Because when I saw that, I thought, wait a minute, the 20th, that's only 11 days. You're only giving them 11 days? Hell, even I get 14 plus 3. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, but I mean, sir, uh, answering a complaint is 21 days. I know. Yeah. Not this time. Yeah. And the court's the boss. It would so, be. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. That's good. And the other thing is, even, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, and I just want to throw this out because you can't help but think, um, if the judge had wanted to, if he had been inclined to, he could have granted the motions to dismiss before even entertaining 
an amended complaint. Yeah, generally they're not going to do that unless there's something so incredibly obvious that, you know, right. somebody that they just it doesn't even begin to have a clue and know what they're doing. It would be but just wasted time to fiddle with it anymore. Right, but he didn't do it. And I anticipate that I'll probably get an almost identical motion to dismiss to the one I had before. <laughs> That's a reasonable uh, assumption. I yeah, believe. From yeah, we got to be careful making assumptions, but I think that's a very reasonable one there. Yeah, yeah. So, Given the circumstances yeah. and then my experience as well. Well, I guess he considers that, you know, he's he's not uh, dumping more than I can handle on me by speeding stuff up like this. I, I think he's yeah. Well, that all the main thing is, I think he, I think he's showing you that, you know, hey, let's get this thing going here. You know, she filed this way back in the beginning of January. It's April, and I've done everything I could. Yeah, well, we're you know you're you're about ninety days out from your filing date. Exactly, and, and because and, of, you know because of Equifax, that's yeah. why we're ninety days out from the filing date. Right, right. So yeah, he's wanting to speed up the process. So yeah, you know, like here's it. here's the summons printed out. Send it. And, uh, you know, instead of waiting two, three, four days for mail to get it back, you know, get her get her done, so to speak. So yeah. that's good. And then the other thing was uh, what Thomas had sent uh, Equifax's 2016 annual report. And I'd like to point out that that is available online and there is a ton of good stuff in there. I admit that I did not read line by line all that uh, accounting information and the numbers. Dave, you know I would have a migraine at this point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, well, I can't imagine you no. do that with your penchant for numbers, Terry. Oh, no. Terry skims over that as quick as possible. Oops, next page. Anyway, um, I was going through and, and I was highlighting, but I would like to point out it, it's publicly available and it's worth the read. Of course, mine is well, better because I highlighted everything that was worth the read. Well, when um, you send that to me, I'm going to post it in the website, uh, in the forum on the uh, FCRA page under pleadings. Okay. and um, Everybody will have a place to go for it. You know, what I was looking for... But before I say this, this would not be considered admissible evidence because unless you get them to give it to you in discovery, it's and you got it off the internet, it's not verifiable. It's not uh what's it's, the word? It's um, hearsay. Well, yeah, it would be hearsay. Okay. Unless but you could make them give it to you in uh in discovery, that that's not a problem. But here, here's my thought on all this. Okay, I had a similar situation when we went to the Eleventh Circuit in the Midland case. We moved for the appeals court to take judicial notice of the consent decree between Midland and the CFPB. Now, we did not, the court did not grant 
the uh, uh, judicial notice because the court couldn't. Why? Because I never brought it up at the lower court. It was not part of the record at the lower court. And remember, you can't bring anything new in in at the appellate level. Well, the reason I never brought it up at the lower court is it all happened right around the same time the lower court was screwing up and, and granting a summary judgment. So I didn't get the chance to do it at the lower court, but it taught me two things. First of all, the ruling that came out simultaneously with the ruling that they were not going to grant judicial notice was it was very obvious both there and in the oral argument that whether they gave it judicial notice or not, the judges read it. Okay, so sometimes even if you know you're not going to get what you'd like, maybe the bigger value is simply getting that in front of the eyes that you want to read it. Because you can't, as we always say, they can't unring a bell, nor can you unread what you read. And things stick in your mind, judges or anybody else. So, when you reference something like this, say, in a footnote, in an argument, an opposition to a motion to dismiss, for instance, the judge may go and look at that and read it. You're not presenting it as evidence. You're not at trial. It doesn't need to be authenticated. It's simply something in their own words that you're referencing to. Okay, what have you accomplished? You got the eyes where you wanted the eyes. And that might be all you need. You never know. And I learned that lesson. So I, when I was going through this, I was looking for specific stuff. Now, everybody knows that Equifax's big argument is, and, you know, why we made the, the complaint to begin with, is that Equifax, Inc. is not a CRA. Okay, well, they absolutely are. The CFPB says they are. Congress says they are. But all of this is recent. It's fairly recent that the CFPB has said, no, you're a CRA. And that letter that you found, Dave, is also recent. More recent than a Gillespie case, for instance, out of the Seventh Circuit, where they... And it wasn't even argued, you know, whether you are or you aren't. But um, different case law relying on very bad pro se's that didn't know how to make the argument and actually didn't make the argument. So they say, oh, we're not a CRA. Well, no one argues it, so the court just accepts it. That's not the same thing as a circuit court or a federal court upholding the argument that they're not a CRA. And I hope everybody understands there's a big difference between a court just, you know, silence is acquiescence. You say this, all right, the other side doesn't argue it, so, you know, we won't argue either. That, that's a lot different than there being an argument on the other side and the court saying, well, 
good argument, but we decide against you they're not a CRA. That hasn't happened. So I was looking for particular language, and there was some that I came up with, and an interesting question after I shared just with this, these parts with you. Uh, on one page it says, all of our business units work in concert to innovate and deliver products and solutions to serve our customers and customers' needs. Proof that a well-designed strategy coupled with high-level execution results in sustainable, long-term success and growth. As used herein, the terms Equifax, the company, we, our, us, refer to Equifax, Inc., a Georgia corporation, and it's consolidated, consolidated, everybody, subsidiaries as a combined entity, except where it is clear that the terms mean only Equifax, Inc. We also sell consumer and credit information to resellers who combine our information with other information to provide direct-to-consumer monitoring, reports, and scores. That one's directly for you, Dave. Mm. And under fund transfer limitations, the ability of certain of our subsidiaries and associated companies to transfer funds to us may be limited in some cases by certain restrictions imposed by foreign governments. So they're the money holders, okay? Then revenue recognition. Many of our multiple element arrangements involve the delivery of services generated by a combination of services provided by one or more of our operating segments. There's that word, Dave. Some of our products require the development of interfaces or platforms by our decisioning technology personnel that allow our customers to interact with proprietary information databases else you wanted to see. Now herein, I think, comes a bit of a conflict of interest in their uh, business model and what they're supposed to be about, uh, according to Congress. But this comes directly from their report. We record revenue on a net basis for those sales in which we have, in substance, acted as an agent or broker in the transaction. The debt collections and recovery management revenue is calculated as a percentage of debt collected on behalf of the customer and, as such, is primarily recognized when the cash is collected, assuming all other revenue recognition criteria are met. Also under conflict of interest in my notes, our current liabilities on our consolidated balance sheet consist of the offset to other current assets related to amounts in specifically designated accounts that hold the funds that are due to customers from our debt collection and recovery management services. This begs the question. How is it ever in their best interest to ensure accuracy if they're getting a cut of the booty? That's a damn good question. 
tripped across was Equifax retirement savings plans, of which they have a whole bunch. But one of them states on page 69, Equifax sponsors a tax-qualified defined contribution plan. The Equifax Inc. 401k plan or the plan. And then it says it's, uh, they also provide discretionary direct contribution to certain eligible employees. But it's for company wide, it, it describes there. So, now I don't know anything about company structuring, the legality of all that. That's beyond me. That's for people that understand it, like John and Craig and lawyers, etc. But if they are, as they claim to be, simply a paper-only holding company, and they don't have anything to do with uh, the collection of data, what their subsidiaries, their collective subsidiaries, and what did they call them, Dave? Not units. um, Oh, what was that word? Well, the one that keeps sticking in my mind is subsidiaries. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I that, know that's not that it. Len, that Leonard Bennett used. Anyway, um, if that's all they are, then why would they have a 401k for the employees of all these separate companies? Or any other retirement plan for that matter? So, that was some of what I highlighted and, and what I found, and uh, very, very interesting. And remember, just as you cannot unring a bell, you can't unsee what your eyes have seen. So sometimes it might just be worth it simply to get it in front of the correct set of eyes. Right, Dave? Yep. I agree. Well, Got everything to gain and nothing to lose, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, even if the other side says, no, you can't use that, it's, it's not authenticated. Well, I didn't ask the court to take judicial notice of it. I just put a link there so they could go have a look-see. <laughs> or I just quoted from it because, you know, it was in your words. Are you saying it wasn't? You see where I'm going with that. So um, I'm glad I took the time to do it. And being a speed reader really pays off sometimes when when you're looking at 83 pages of, oh, my God, numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to send that to you, Dave. Okay. And I will post it in the forum in the pleading section under FCRA so that everybody has it available to them. Yeah, you should always be aware. And, and do remember that the things you find that way uh, – even even an F, an SEC a 10K that you download off the internet is not admissible if that's where you got it, which is why I forced them to print it out for three years in hard copy. The lawyer was pissed that she had to do that, so she got even with me and she shrunk it to font that she knew I wouldn't be able to read because she knew I was playing as a bat. Remember that, Dave? Yeah, I remember that. 
And she said to me, well, why do you want that? If you can get it off the Internet, why don't you just go get it? I said, because I want it from your client. Well, once I got it in Discovery, then I can use it. Right. Because they printed it and gave, even if I couldn't read it, I'd already highlighted <laughs> a reasonable copy, <laughs> right. you know, to find what I needed. But, you know, always keep that in mind. There are other uses for things, even if you can't use them under the rules of evidence admissible for summary judgment or trial purposes. So that's what I had to share for today. Okay, good. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, who else has got some good news for us? Nobody else. Nobody else stepping up. Okay, well. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Velva. Well, hi, Velva. How are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. Well, that's good. I'm (laughs) glad to hear that. I'd hate to think that you dropped off, (laughs) that you weren't still hanging in there. Hanging in, well, hanging in there is better than hanging. This is true. My my bit of good news is that we, um, my going around council suit is about to wrap up. We are now going back and forth negotiating numbers. um, And I expect expect them to... um, uh, we us to settle it this week. Good. So, um, and then we'll sue them again. <laughs> well, that sounds like fun to me. Well, we have that, a. That sounds like a Jesse. Well, who do you think I learned it from? <laughs> I know, I know. He's a good teacher on that, isn't he? He's 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 very adept at that, boy. I tell you, he's he's made a lot of money on that. He's that I got to tell you, the these people, the um. Attorneys for the other party, um, for Bank of America, were saying that the statements, the invoices I received, didn't were not asking for money. That they weren't asking for money. It says clearly underneath it in a paragraph that do not pay this amount. Okay, it says a lot of other things too. Yeah. <laughs> it oh. says to call the office and work out payment arrangements. It says if you don't pay this amount by such date. We are adding a $55 late fee to it. Oh. I mean, and it, communication <laughs> and connection with a collection of a debt. Yes. So, anyway, um, we're working on numbers. It looks like we wrap up this week, and I just wanted to share that with you. Well, great, great. Glad to hear it. Thank and you. We'll be waiting to uh, hear the uh, final details. Dave? Yes, yes. There was, there was before you go to the next caller. There was one other thing I picked up on, and you know how they keep saying Equifax Information Services LLC and Equifax Inc. and Equifax this that and the other thing. They're all different entities, right? Yeah. Right. Well, according to my Secretary of State and everything I could find, it's the exact same address for all of them. Equifax Inc. and Equifax Information Services LLC are both located at 1550 Peach Street Northwest. Yeah, well, you can have multiple companies that are based out of a specific address, 
that the, doesn't really mean the, anything. The same office. Well, what I'm getting at is that's where we all sent our letters. We sent it to a P.O. box ending in 256. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yep. yep. We didn't send it to that address. Well, anyway, they're at the same address, and we should note that. Oh, and the other thing, watch it. Because sometimes when they send you stuff, they don't put the northwest on the Peachtree Street. Mm-hmm. And if they don't put the northwest, it can end up at the wrong place because there's southwest and there's you have to have the northwest. My uh, I had it addressed the way they sent it, and my post postal postmaster she goes, Terry, is this going to be northwest, southwest, or what? I said, I don't know. They didn't put that on there. So she went, and got on her computer, and looked them up, and came back and said it's northwest. Mm-hmm. So make sure. Yeah, I, rem- I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing that. 1550 Peach Street, Northwest. Yeah, they got weird streets in Atlanta. And uh, we found that out when we were trying to find the appeals court, me and Craig. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yep. even the, the taxi driver didn't get it. Oh, my or, God. Or the shuttle driver. He didn't know which one it was. Oh, boy. Oh, well. All right, who else has got good news for us? Okay. I have good news. Why is everybody slow on muting tonight? (laughs) Go ahead. I I love good news. I want to hear it. It said brain finger movement. It's a little slow today. CRS? (laughs) That too. Oh, okay. As you guys may recall, I mentioned that I had just sent for my LexisNexis disclosure file. Yeah. I received it on Saturday. Oh, very good. So that's my good news. All right, good, good. And everybody okay. should be doing that. If you're, uh, you should be doing it whether you're doing the full uh, file disclosure project or not. Everybody should go and get a copy of their uh, LexisNexis report. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, the only news I have is I spent the best part of today working on stuff for. Uh, uh, my portfolio recovery lawsuit. My 26F draft report is done. I uh, was working on getting all the uh, information together for my initial disclosures. And that what took a, a whole lot of time today was uh, taking pictures, bringing up all, all the uh, calls that I have records for on my cell phones, and having to take a picture. I don't have smartphones, so it's you know I don't can't take a image and just email it. I have to take a uh, photograph of it with a camera, and uh, I had to stop twice to uh, uh, recharge the battery in my digital camera because I was doing so much stuff. You know, you and the, it's got a small. My phone's got a small screen, and the information scrolls. So you got to click it, and sometimes I had to take four or five pictures before I got a good clear one with the information I needed. So it was a very long extended day process working on that. 
made copies of the uh, handwritten notes that I have. I actually found two more phone calls on my handwritten notes that somehow hadn't gotten transferred to the spreadsheet that I filed with the uh, court. So there's a couple more calls. It's in the 70s. So I got that done, but I'm uh, getting all my stuff finished up with that because I have to do my 26F by uh, the 19th of April, and later this week I'm going to get an uh, email. The attorney there, uh, not Miss Witch, but Xerxes, one of the junior attorneys that I've worked with before, and he and I have been able to uh, work things out and get some things settled reasonably. So I'm going to contact him, and uh, although Robbie... Uh, Miss Witch had her name on the top line of the complaint. Uh, I'll contact Xerxes and find out whether she is handling things or whether he is, uh, who I need to set up the 26F with, and uh, whether we can have any settlement discussions. So I want to have, of course, all my uh, initial disclosures done because they'll probably want to look at all that stuff before they get into any serious discussions on any kind of settlement because they want to see what kind of evidence I've got as to, well, you know, is it your phone? You know, do you, do you have proof of that? What about this? Well, if I send them about uh, 35 or 40 photographs of uh, screens on the phones and copies of receipts buying airtime and uh, showing the uh, phone number and the serial number of the phone on the screen, you know, uh, photographs of all that kind of stuff, and then copies of the uh, handwritten records and all that stuff. They can see that you got a lot of evidence. That stuff can be instrumental in possibly getting to a uh, settlement, which, of course, what do I want? I want a check. You know, it's, uh, I don't want a big, long, extended fight. i got plenty on my hands with the CRAs and then still having Midland in the background. So uh, I'm in a position where if I can settle that, put some money in my pocket and be done with it and off and gone, that's fine. So that's basically where I am. I've been busy with that. I've been working on the uh, FCRA stuff. Terry and I spent a lot of time on the phone over the last number of days and uh, lots of emails going back and forth. Uh, <clears throat> Craig and Terry and Thomas were uh, exchanging emails earlier today and the, this afternoon and this evening. I didn't even get in that fray. And they were all discussing all the stuff with uh, Equifax. I pretty much have the uh, opposition to the motion to dismiss, the new motion to dismiss for TransUnion finished. I'm going to tweak a couple things on that, but basically it's about done. And an interesting thing that uh, was in the uh, Equifax motion to dismiss that they filed for Equifax and Equifax LLC was they adopted the TransUnion motion to dismiss. I've never seen that before. That's a new wrinkle. As I had uh, kind of looked through the Equifax. Yeah, that was, that's yeah. the language they used. They were adopting yeah, it. That's specifically what they said. And I've never seen that before when I was looking through it. And I go, man, this this looks exactly, you know, I, I just was skimming through it. And uh, I thought, this looks exactly like TransUnions. Well, then I went back up and I read that stuff and it said that. Well, I was like, well, no wonder it looks like it. But, however, <laughs> he 
changed a, a little bit of the language, but uh, for the most part, form-wise and everything else, it was the, the same as the motion to dismiss that TransUnion put in. So, you know, what that does is that's going to allow me to take my opposition to the motion uh, the TransUnion put in and basically make that the basis for the Equifax opposition, but then I have to deal with Equifax's uh, motion to dismiss, you know, saying they're not a CRA and all that kind of stuff. And they go into a whole lot of stuff. They put a bunch of case law in it, which uh, I looked at Jones versus Equifax, read that this weekend, and that just puts them right out of business on that uh, uh yeah, Dave. Could the case you, law that they provided. Could you uh, share that footnote out of there that puts it to rest? Uh, let me look and see if I have that up here. If you don't, I can pull it up real quick. Uh, uh, let's In the Jones versus Equifax case, it's actually a class action. Um, that involved Leonard Bennett, <laughs> and this was a footnote put in where Equifax was using all the case law that they were using against Dave in their um, motion to support the fact that they're not a CRA. And I was doing some research and looking up some of those cases and uh, quickly ascertained that everything I found, they were not just written and done, brought by pro se's. They were the worst of the worst pro se's. One of them was so bad that he would not listen to the court and the court had to sanction him multiple times because he was calling the the attorney's office and threatening their employees and calling the um, Equifax offices and threatening them, going around counts on this guy would not stop. And the court even bent over backwards trying to make, you know, uh, some kind of, acceptances for the fact that he was a pro se. But in the end, he lost, and he lost badly. But anyway, um, out of the Jones case, there was this incredible footnote in there that just takes care of all that case law handily. Did you find it, Dave? I'm looking here. Uh... I just had it up. I can bring it back up. Yeah, why don't you do that? I've had so many documents, and I closed a bunch of stuff out because I did a little bit of computer maintenance this weekend that I, I hadn't done. Well, let's put it this way. I hadn't rebooted my computer for three months, and uh, I hadn't done updates since May of last year, so I thought it was time. Okay. <laughs> I was having a problem with a couple of things. Let me so. scroll down to footnote yeah. and then. Got to find number 11. Scroll down, scroll down. It's highlighted. I thought I had that here, but when you you guys when you look at so many different things, 
it's uh, you. It gets to the point, you know, if you guys haven't experienced this, it gets to the point where you can. Was that uh, that was or was that in the order? Well, I'm reading the, uh, it was the it order, the, and it's that's not it. The opposition to the motion to dismiss, but I believe it's in the order. Hold on a second, John Zeckelfacker. No, I'm looking at it. That's not here. That's not in that. Okay, hold on, because I, I have it. Because it's footnote 11. Okay. I think, or was it footnote 13? No, it was 11. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. Uh, further, in each of the cases cited above, and this is the the ones that they put in there, cited above, the plaintiff either proceeded pro se or f- failed to oppose the motion. Such rulings cannot provide persuasive support for the defendant's position at the motion to dismiss stage. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And that just handily takes care of all of them. Yeah. So that you... You don't have to waste your space in the pages you're allowed on yeah. that crap. Just do it the same way and use your space for your arguments. Yeah, it, the, the footnote begins, Defendant Equifax, Inc. disputes this claim by citing to a number of cases in which district courts held that Equifax, Inc. did not operate as a CRA. These courts have generally found Equifax, Inc. to be a holding company that does not exercise control over consumer credit information. However, every decision cited by Equifax, Inc. was rendered at the summary judgment stage. And then they list all of them, you know, the uh, Greer versus uh, Equifax, Channing, Ransom, Slice, uh, all of those. Uh, further, in each of the cases cited above, the plaintiff either proceeded pro se or failed to oppose the motion. I mean, you know, if you don't argue, then you agree, right? Mm-hmm. Such rulings cannot provide persuasive support for the defendant's position at the motion to dismiss stage. It's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, defendants also contend using the declaration of John W. Montgomery Jr. and Equifax's 10K that differences among Equifax Inc., a holding company, Talex, a specialty consumer reporting agency, and EIS, a consumer reporting agency, necessitate dismissal of this claim. The defendants place these additional documents on the record further demonstrates the propriety of deciding this issue at summary judgment or trial. Not at motion to dismiss. Exactly. You make a claim, and they make a claim. You're entitled to your opportunity to prove your claim. Right, to do discovery to prove your claim. Yep. And then to be decided either at summary judgment or trial. Now, the exception to that would be, let's say they... They produced a whole bunch of documentation to prove and attached it to their motion to dismiss that Equifax, Inc. was, in fact, a holding company. 
and could not be held liable under the FCRA. Well, they didn't. And apparently, they never did because they didn't do that with the CFPB and the CFPB decided they're a CRA. So, you know, since they didn't provide any proof to the contrary, then it would be improper for the court to grant them a motion to dismiss on the grounds of their claim without giving you a chance to prove your claim, which came first. Right. So, there you go, guys. All right. Now, we will go back here. I'll close a few of these windows. I get way too many windows open sometimes. All right. Good evening, Sir John. I'm glad to see you finally joined us. Yeah, I'm sorry to be a little bit late, but I'm here. Better late than never. I, I was just reading that I was getting closer to a settlement in the um, Charvette versus Resort Marketing Group TCPA litigation. They want proof of the phone number that was called. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was part of a class action thing. Oh. So. Anyways, I was just wondering if I was going to get five cents or ten cents. Or <laughs> yeah, that's about it. They uh, let's maybe see. you'll get a windfall and get up around thirty-seven, thirty-eight cents. Yeah, okay. John, uh, I got a check for two cents from the phone company once. <clears throat> this one says. The settlement administrator recently informed the court that over 2 million claims were filed in this action by consumers who received the publication notice of the settlement and submitted a claim via the online portal. So we were only prompted to submit a claim after they contacted us. So in other words, they knew something was up. You know, another, In other words, in their records, they called my number. Now I have to prove that it was my number. Oh. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, I just filed a claim in a in a thing here about uh, three weeks ago. Uh, there was a uh, class action uh, over trading-related stuff on uh, foreign currencies. I had done a lot of trading, and in the, in the uh, settlement pool in that was like $3.5 billion. Oh, Wow, and uh, I settled or uh, I sent in my claims there, but I said it'll probably be a long time. So you know, who knows? Only time I <laughs> ever got a you know a payment from a class action was my mortgage holder, and I wasn't even aware that they were sued, and then all of a sudden I get this check for eighty five cents. Yeah. My share or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, that's like this thing I just mentioned on, on the trading stuff. Um, that was the only reason that, that I got the uh, stuff to make a claim there is because the uh, uh, Futures Commission merchant, RCG, Rosenthal Collins Group out of Chicago, had the records. And this was years ago because, you know, back in the uh, mid-2000s, I was doing a bunch of... Uh, uh, currency futures trading. I mean, there were days I was trading three, four, five hundred contracts a day. I was doing a lot of scalping in and out just very quickly. 
So I I traded a lot of contracts. So how that's going to affect it, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'll get $11.40 out of that $3.5 billion. But, uh, yeah, because, you know, my stuff compared to the big boys is nothing. But we'll see. Anyway, all right. Uh, well, we have a couple people with hands up, but I'm just going to go ahead and say if anybody has questions, go ahead and hit star 8 on your phone, and we will get to your questions. And that, uh, if you've got good news, we'll, we're going to love to hear that as well. So we will jump in and go to Southwest Michigan. You are first up. Go ahead. Hi. Can you hear me? No, we can't hear you. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I got a bunch of questions. I've been working on the CRA, the amended complaint this weekend, so I got a lot of questions. I'll just start getting through them. Um, So um, when you're separating exhibits, I was just, first of all, when you go on, I went on Equifax's website, and I was making copies of off of pages of the website. Can you use that type of thing as an exhibit? What What are you wanting to use it as an exhibit for? I was trying to show that on their website, um, there's Equifax. The name Equifax is on their website, and at the the only corporate entity that that's a part of my claim um, is at the bottom with the copyright is copyrighted to Inc. Equifax Inc. Exactly. Right. So it, does, it, never, it never says LL, Information Services LLC right. anywhere. Nowhere on their website. And, and beyond that, right. it says Equifax Inc. copyrighted by Equifax Inc. at the very bottom. Right. Yeah, so you, could, I, you could put a page or two on that. You know, the okay. the one where it's uh, Equifax Personal, I think, is is what this slash personal. Yeah. Um, because they talk about getting your credit report and stuff like that, but they they don't show. You know, they, they indicate just by all the appearances that uh, you're getting it from Equifax Inc. Rather yeah. than uh, they don't say anything about LLC. Right. When you saw on that page. Did it say Equifax Inc.? Is that what you saw when you pulled that page up? Oh, sure, sure. Oh, believe me, we've looked oh. at all that. No, actually, it, you, if you pull it up now, I, I didn't see that. It just says Equifax. There's no ink there. No, it it's says Equifax up at the top. Yeah. But at the bottom in the copyright, it's ink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. see, the, the point we, we're making is they use just the logo, the Equifax logo, for everything. Yes. Okay. There's there's part of the commonality that we allege. If you read my complaint, it, I I talk in there about that. Yeah. Yep. So there's your answer. Okay. So um, and I also, you know, I noticed that I was looking through the TransUnion the YouTube videos. Yeah. That you had in your complaint that you were given as example. It looks like they have pulled those down. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I couldn't bring those up on YouTube, so I'm just putting that out there. Uh, Google, um, Google Wayback Machine, that's what it's called, Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And put the link in there, and you'll get it. Okay. And also, they, um, you know, one of my uh, study partner here uh, gave me a, a website called www.convert.com. 
www.ghostfiles.com, which he says you can save YouTube videos in your email or in, you know, different files on your computer. So that I, and I can post it right now. Well, guys, this is a good example of why you should send out those, um, oh, God, what did we call, what did we call them? Dave, the letters that we sent them instructing. Electronic we, uh, 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 the electronic records, uh, saving it, you know. I can't think of the uh I've got it, it here in a second. Uh, I'm just drawing a blank on it. I Preservation of electronic records. Yeah, you, uh, the letters to them noticing that they are to preserve electronic records regardless of where they are, how they're stored, whatever. And then if they go and take stuff down that you have referenced in your complaint, they've got a legal problem. Well, no, they can take it down. It's just that they have to preserve the... uh, It may not be in public view, but they've got to preserve it, and then you can... Uh, go in discovery and say when when was this removed from public uh, display? Right, they have to be able to still produce it at trial. As right, instance, if you ask. For right. It. What letter is that? Did we? What letter is that that you're referring to? Preservation uh, of electronic records. Did we put that on the website? Mm, I don't know. Are we supposed to be doing that just along with our complaint? I mean, when do you send that to? You can no, send it any time. Okay, you can send it even before you sue. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I haven't done that. Yeah, you know what? I've got the uh, ex- example template for one right here. And, Dave, if you don't know where yours is right off the bat, you want yeah, me to send it Just send it to me, and I'll post it in the uh, forum section. Okay. Yeah, it's self-explanatory when you look at it. You know where you have to plug in your stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, so just another page that I found on Equifax's website were, was where they were selling a, actually selling a service. Um, some t- it has a price for it. I forgot exactly what service it was. I have a copy of the, uh, the page. But then, again, at the bottom, it's copyrighted Equifax, Inc. So it's, it's kind of hard for... To say well, that you could, you could you could put that yeah you could put that in there uh, you know a, a couple of different pages I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't you know, put a whole bunch of that in there we put some of that together and what I did was um, you know when you use a word doc if you're using anything and not an older version of Windows Office but like the 2010 Word okay when you're using that you go up to the top. Um, you get a get yourself a blank page, and you go up to the top, and on the insert tab, you'll see below that on uh, the header there, screenshot with an arrow below it, and when you click on screenshot, it says in that little box that comes up at the bottom, screen clipping. If you click on that, it will go to the website if that's what you have open behind it, that you're on, and you can just, you know, take a little uh, clip of whatever screenshot you want and put it in Mm -hmm. the Word doc. 
Well, Dave and I did that, or I did it while he was, we were going through all their websites. And I would take a screenshot of the page that I was on, and then the fine print at the bottom, the uh, whatever that is, you know, the copyright stuff at the bottom, Equifax Inc., on a number of pages, and I put them together in in one uh, Word doc. So if I want to use it as an exhibit, I could. Yeah. Now, I just went to my amended complaint, and I clicked on the links because in my Word doc, they're live links. Yeah. Those two TransUnion sites, and they came right up. Oh. So I don't know, I don't know well, why you're not getting them. Okay. Well, they're still there. Okay, yeah, I gotta go grab them. Um, I don't know what's going on. All right, so uh, I just copied and pasted into my browser. I don't know why. What's yeah, maybe you missed. Stuff? Maybe you didn't capture all of it or something like that. But I, I just <laughs> went to both of them, and they're still there. Okay, good, good. All right, so in terms of when response, to, like for example, Equifax in response to my first letter. They sent a credit uh, report, but they also sent like a, a cover, a couple of pages, you know, talking about some diff, uh, talking about an investigation and things like that. Um, well, you got to read. You got to read that. What is yeah, it well, saying? Did it say? Did it say that this yeah, is a, this is something having to do with an investigation? Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll um, or dispute. I have it. Yes, that's what they're. See, the that's part of what that's part of what Terry and I talked about in the last webinar. Is you know okay? Do they uh, are are they talking about a dispute? Are they just responding to your request for a disclosure and they send you a credit report instead of the full disclosure or are they saying something about oh well this is this is about your dispute well, right, right. That's, that's, what like they, that's what they did to me rather right. than respond properly i get a letter from them in response to your dispute well what right. dispute right exactly right. and and on this the reason why I was going to include this letter with my amended complaint was because on the top it says Equifax, and they do have Equifax Information uh, Services LLC. They mention the backside. Well, no, on the back side and where they say no, you, can mine, you can file. On mine, it's on the front. Um, okay. And, and the information I received, it's on the, you know, it's 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 pretty much on the front. It's on the front of the letter, but it's in. In the context of here, here I'll just read it to you. Using the internet to initiate an online investigation, request there you will, go. Right. will expedite the resolution of your concerns, or you may complete the enclosed research request form and return it to Equifax Information Services LLC. Right. So they see what what they're doing there. You got to look yeah. at it. At the top of what they sent you, it just says Equifax, That's right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. But they're saying if you've got a dispute, you send it to Inc. Well, that doesn't give any indication that what you got came from LLC. No. It's, or I mean, it, it it just it says if you got a dispute, you you send it to LLC. Right. And your exactly. letter had nothing to do with a dispute. You're not right. making. How can you make a dispute when they haven't even sent you all the 
the file to look at in the first place. Yeah, that's what I was arguing in my complaint. But the, the, my question was, it, it was a part of the, the, their response to my first letter. So I'm not going to send them my credit report, but no, no, you I don't don't, do I'm that. only going to send them a portion of their response to that. You know, that was with the credit report. That page that I just, you know, part of that page I just read. Right, you. but you're but going to make I, the argument that that you know in your first response was related to a dispute that you yes. had not you had made no dispute, and the response appeared to come from Equifax. Okay, See now, exhibit so on. Yeah, I got to yeah, ask so, you a question here. Now, when they did that to me, the I got you know the same thing you got with a response to a dispute that I never filed. <laughs> Excuse me. And then a couple days later, I get the results of their investigation, which is uh, supposedly updated information in your file having to do with the dispute that was never filed. Okay, that was not, and it never is, a full credit report. All it has to show is any updated information or changes made pursuant to your dispute. So all it was was a page showing an update of my address, and that's it. So with what they gave you, even though it had like, seven pages of their BS stuff, you know, that they have to include with all communications with consumers, you know, summary of rights and all that kind of crap. That was not even a regular credit report. All it was was a dispute uh, results page to a dispute that never happened. Yeah, I think think Experian did that – I don't think Equifax did that with me, but Experian did that though. They did a dispute. <laughs> they they answered my letter in the form of uh, you know, that's what they did. That's what Experian did. Um it, it's it, it's insane. But, they investigated so, a dispute that I never you know, opened them back. It was weird. <laughs> so look at what they sent you after responding that way and make sure it's not just dispute resolution report and not an ordinary credit report. Okay. Okay, because then they can't even say they gave you a credit report if all you got was a dispute uh, update resolution, you know, investigation. Right, yeah, yeah. I know one of them did. Yeah, I can't remember which one. Between Equifax or... Um, Experian, one of them gave me, uh, I'm pretty sure Experian gave me a dispute resolution. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that is information. not That's just an update of what has been changed. Like if there had been a dispute, then it might show a trade line with some changed stuff in it. But it's you okay to, to to pick and choose certain parts of what was sent, you know. You with, don't ever, ever, report. ever want to put... Okay, first of all, one really good reason is that you're never going to put a whole credit a year credit report no. in uh, is because then you can hardly say 
later when they pull your credit report during litigation like they did to Dave, you can hardly take issue with that since you voluntarily put it up on public record. Yeah. You know, obviously that it would be dumb. So that's <laughs> one, good, one good reason not to do it because you're waiving all your rights when you do that. But if you want to redact a page, you know, to point out something specific um, and it's not, doesn't show any of your credit information or anything like that, uh, simply to indicate what they're calling themselves or, you know, something like that, then mm-hmm. I see no reason not to do it. And as a matter of fact, with my first complaint, I did that. But I redacted okay, everything, you know, and it wasn't yeah. the whole thing. All right, awesome. Great. So since when I was looking through TransUnion and working on my complaint, I couldn't pull up the YouTube. I kind of redid the TransUnion part and wasted a lot of time. But this is what I came up with. Um, on their website, it has something that talk, talks about – can I just read this real fast and see what you think about it? Um, it's on TransUnion's website, and it says, within its suit of – and this is an example of different information other than a credit report that they would have uh, the TransUnion has of ours, um, and also how it's operating different sections of a company under the umbrella of trans, TransUnion. Um, so in, within its suit of products is Prama Data Extract, Extract, which allows the user to query TransUnion depersonalized archive credit data via self-service on-demand point-and-click access. Query against 100% of depersonalized TransUnion credit data. So then I say, this suggests that TransUnion may have an archive of personalized data that the plaintiff has a right to see according to, you know, 15 U.S.C. 1681. So I also found on their website where they boast TransUnion suit of mission critical solutions provide the public sector with vital information and an unmatched combination of credit and non-credit data. Further on in this shocking document, they go on to say that their services has the ability to quickly identify and assess behavioral changes of individuals before a serious threat situation occurs. That's just part of that's that's some good stuff. That's giving you, you know, your uh, good arguments for uh, plausibility of them having more information. And, and, I, and, and I have screenshots of those uh, those pages with that information on from their website. And 1681G states all information. Nowhere does it state that only applies to credit credit information. Information. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't matter what type of information it is in that section of the law. And Congress generally doesn't waste their time adding components to a statute that aren't needed, that they deem, you know, to be repetitive, let's say. Yeah. So on the part where um, we're including the, the letter from Congress, the uh, Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. Yeah. Um, I have that on Exhibit 5. 
we're just including that letter. I mean, should you? I mean, should I also include? Just, there's just another look what I did. No, just look what I did. Just look what I did. Okay. You just included that letter. That's yeah. all. I. Okay. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I have that right. Um. Okay. So, so this this is the last question here. Um. I have till the end of next week in terms of time time to answer Equifax's motion to dismiss. But, you know, all the other defendants, they've put in their answer to my complaint, but I, I probably still have at least till next week to put in my amended complaint, even though the under, other defendants have already put, you know, put their complaints on the, uh, or answer. I, I would get the amended complaint done and get it filed. Yeah, absolutely, as as quick as you can before a judge starts ruling on dispositive outstanding motions. Okay, because I know transunions, I had till to, to tomorrow was my deadline for transunion to, to answer, you know, to respond to their answer, really, before their you know, I guess a judge respond to their answer. So, and then I, I'm, I'm confused. Well, I'm, last time we talked, you said that I didn't really have to respond to their answer because we would just go through. There were just oh, answers. No, if they answer the complaint, you don't respond to it. Right. Okay. So I don't have to worry about that. No. Okay. No. No. All right. Okay. Just making sure I got enough time because. Um, you know, the motion to dismiss from Equifax, I have 28 days to respond from that according to our local rules. So I'm not going to use those full 28 days, but... No, you don't want... you. I'm you going want to get, get that you, in. You want to get your thing in there. Yeah. So the court yeah, my goal is to get it in. I have till next Friday to, to get in the Equifax information. I'm going to get it in Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday next week. Yeah, I, I'd get it in by the end of the week if at all possible. Yeah. Your okay. amended complaint. Me too. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't 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 push it in the next week. Get her done. Well, and then I still have to get concurrence, so I have to send it to the lawyers, also. So okay. Um, that's that's even more reason why you need to figure on having it done by the end of the week. Right. This is just and Monday. You should be able to get her done. And don't okay. think that they have to agree. They don't. Yeah. Well, I've heard you mention Jones Day. This is moving on to another subject. Uh, Jones Day, uh, an attorney, for, uh, Autumn Hammett Patterson. Yeah, from Jones that's her Day. Experian. Yes, yes. She just entered into the case. I had another uh, <laughs> attorney, and then they then uh, Autumn just entered into the case. So I have not. I've heard you talk about. I've met Jones Autumn. Day. I met her at yeah. the hearing. She's oh, in mine. Oh, okay. She's in mine too. Okay, yeah. So she's in mine too. So, yeah, and and Carter, Kendall Carter is Equifax. So uh, yeah. we got a lot of common names. And then Shuck, it is uh, for uh, the trans. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't get to deal. They're the oddballs, and I mean yeah. odd. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate. Man, I wasted so much time because I couldn't find that. YouTube video, but at least it's a. I think I did pretty good. I got a different complaint to different, differentiate my complaint a little bit. Yeah, well, um, that's fine. But don't try and get 
real fancy, but you know, differentiating and doing things so that uh, there's differences, that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate your help. All right. You're welcome. Yep. All right. We're going to go to Southwest Florida. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Well, good evening. It's good to hear you folks and all your good news. Um, <laughs> well, we're still here. We're still doing our stuff. How are you? Well, I've been busy with foreclosure business, but I recently filed a TCPA notice of intent to sue for 10 phone calls from a debt collector. Yeah. And regrettably, I think I have sad news. <laughs> I got a response from the um, debt collector, and in the response to my notice of intent to sue, they told me that we actually have not violated anything in the TCPA as alleged in your correspondence, and see the attached document that you signed um, at the time of service. And actually, this had to do with a hospital visit and... Um, if I may read this to you, it might be informational for a lot of people, but when this is an inpatient consent and financial agreement form uh-huh. that I signed, and it says here, I hereby authorize the hospital to provide information about me to third parties for business-related purposes included but not limited to billing, collecting, and instituting payment arrangements. And the next paragraph reads, I authorize the hospital and or their business associates to contact me via telephone, cell phone, and or electric mail using pre-recorded messages, auto dialers, and or other forms of automated electronic communication. Yep. They're putting that language in these new agreements have for the last several years. Yep. Yep. So you did give them consent. Sure did. So that was a lesson learned. So if it's a cell phone, you've got to rescind that consent and tell them, I hereby revoke consent. Do not call this number. Well, as soon as we did that, they ceased calling. Right. Uh, yeah, we had had 20 calls before I actually answered it and um, said, no, don't call this number, and they never called again. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. but see, they were following the law. They were doing yeah, exactly. what they were supposed to do. Exactly. Yep. Well, it's really not bad news because it would only be bad news if you'd already filed a suit and they came oh, up yeah. with that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, you'd... You'd be out your $400 filing fee and stuff. Exactly. And it was definitely your information that yeah, you yeah. That would be bad Thank news. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that um, notice of intent to sue was a lifesaver. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the reasons why you do that. So if they come up with something like that and they've got that obvious evidence, they're going to they're gonna argue with you and, and provide that up up front. And like these guys did, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe you didn't remember signing that, you know, when you were sick or, you know, whatever the deal was, not. you know, you're, uh, you're, you're not going to pay any attention. But people have to understand that over the last several years, because of all the TCPA litigation, 
uh, especially with these medical providers and everything like that, um, that kind of stuff is going to be in these agreements. That They're doing that to cover their butts so they don't get sued. And these guys, you know, they saved themselves a lawsuit. No, so, they did. Yep. Thank you. So, Appreciate well, thank it. you for bringing it up. Yep. That's a good point. You know, people sure. need to hear this, and uh, this is a good lesson for those people that are thinking about uh, – you know, doing something with TCPA, you know, my particular TCPA that I'm dealing with with portfolio, those calls were in, uh, uh, started in uh, 2014. Right. So I had to file suit to uh, uh, capture the statute of limitations, but that's before everybody, you know, was doing things. And, and of course, they, they were just a debt collector. I had no agreement with anybody anyway. So that was a different right. scenario. But on the the medical stuff, boy, they're they're They've been doing that for several years to cover their butts. So, well, anyway, sorry yeah. about that. I wish I wish you could have been able to do something, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. Lesson learned. Yep. <laughs> thank you. We'll All righty. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Okay. Well, let's go to somewhere else. Just in Florida. You're unmuted. Go ahead. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's a Brian. How are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Sounds like you're having way too much fun. Oh, I'm having so much fun, I can't hardly stand it. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I was telling you my friend got a letter from uh, Portfolio Recovery. About That's a, a debt. familiar name. <laughs> yeah, about a debt that was you know, eight, eight to nine years old. And uh, she sent the validation letter, and they responded on March 29th with a verification information concerning PRA. And it, the funny thing was it says seller HSBC, but then it says merchant Metris, huh. which I've, I've never seen that before. I'm not sure. Metris might have been the person who uh, facilitated the sale between HSBC and Portfolio, I'm not familiar with that name. I have no idea. Did you Google it? See what you could do? No, she just showed me these about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd Google it and you know just see what you can find on it. But in the first letter, you know, it says the following information is provided to your response to your recent recent communication concerning the account reference. Blah 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 blah. And it shows an account balance. And at the end, it says this communication is from a debt collector, but is not an attempt to collect a debt. But okay. the, fact, the fact that there's a balance on it kind of tells me that there must be some sort of debt looking to be collected. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe but if they state that they're not trying to collect a debt, that, if, they, that, if they very straightforwardly state that. Okay. Well, well what do they want in the letter? Well, that, well this is just, it, it's supposed to be a, a response to the validation request. A demand so, for validation. Right. Oh, I see. Now, at the type, at the top right-hand corner, it says PRAD. It has a little scan symbol, and it says zero three twenty-nine. Well, about a week later, just a couple of days ago, actually, she received the second letter, which is dated March thirtieth. Still has the same scan symbol at the top, saying PRAD zero three twenty-nine. It says, in response to your dispute related to the above account, portfolio has enclosed additional documentation for your review. We have completed our investigation of your dispute concerning this account. And they offer two statements, both of them starting in the $3,600 range. 
you know, one from twelve nine oh nine, and one from one nine two thousand ten. Uh-huh. So once again, at the bottom, they do put this is a communication from debt collector, but does not attempt to collect the debt. So I was wondering yeah. if that obfuscated them from the FDCPA and the FCCPA because you can answer my request for validation with a letter, but when you send me the second one and it still says a total balance. As well, it's, it's, yeah, it's showing a balance, but they're telling you straight out that they're not attempting to collect a debt. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I was just surprised to get two letters a day apart, like they did some further investigation and found this other stuff. <laughs> well, what what they're I think what they're trying to do is hope they're hoping that you'll go well. You know, the the balance is thirty six hundred dollars. Would you take Would you take a thousand dollars? Oh yeah, at the bottom it says if you wish to discuss this account, please call us. <laughs> Here's our operating. Hey, well, numbers. see, that's <laughs> just it. They're they're taking the soft approach because they've got the crap suit out of them for trying to uh, collect out of statute debt. So right. you know they're you know you, you guys got to understand us pounding these people with all yeah, these lawsuits and everything is changing their behavior. Now, is the bad behavior completely gone? No. Is it has it improved as a result of us suing the crap out of them? Yes, it has. It's making them at least a little gun shot. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, you never saw that. This is not an attempt to collect a debt. A few years ago, you never saw that. You do see it now. Oh, and that's sure. a result of all these lawsuits and all the money they've paid out. Yeah, even the first letter they sent to her, it said it's past the statute of limitations. We cannot sue you, you know, just right. to let you know. Right. And so they, they so. are kind of co- they're covering their ass for sure. But yeah, I just yeah. thought maybe I thought maybe the second letter when it says total balance, it doesn't say total balance due. <laughs> exactly. Total balance. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just so, making sure. You know, uh, basically, what I do if I was in in her seat. Just sit back and relax, because I don't think you're going to hear from them again. Well, they stopped calling, and I was telling you a couple of weeks ago, they also called my mom, who's four years older than this young woman. My mom's going to be 76 this year, and they were harassing her by the phone, too, and she sent out the validation letter a couple of days ago, and uh, at the bottom, I just added a little, or they added a little blurb. You know, if you think you had consent, it's being revoked now. Yeah. And uh, they're not getting any calls, so at least the harassment stopped. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I think your friend there with this situation, uh, basically, you know, they they haven't tried to collect from her. They've basically responded. And from the way I see it, they followed the law. Well, when she got the first letter, she was going to send back an additional letter saying this is not validation. You know, you didn't tell me nothing except for that you say this amount's due. But right. in the meantime, she got an additional letter with, again, still not validation. It's a, it's a, you know, it's the last two statements of a balance right. that was, yeah. you know, five years old at the time. Back, right. Back then. But there, you don't have any violation because they're not trying to collect anything. So. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure, and I thought it would be a good conversation for the new people. Yeah. Well, and and it's like I said. You know, the reason this is happening now is a direct result of a lot of what we've been doing over the last few years, suing the crap out of these people. Yeah. Us and many other people. Getting a little tired of paying. (laughs) 
Well, they were violating the law, and all of a sudden now they're not. They're they're sending you something and hoping somebody will, will have pangs of guilt or something and go, oh, you know, uh, okay, but you know, can I just pay you a thousand dollars? And they go, oh yeah, sure. Well, and in fact, I ran into a guy at one of the jobs I was doing, and he just did that. Oh, he, he, paid, he paid like five hundred dollars on a four thousand dollar debt that was owed, and they said they would scratch it. And, and, but it was past the statute of limitations and all that. But. Yeah, and they probably paid about uh, $4.80 for it. It's so sad to see people doing that. Yeah. We know that millions of people do it every day. Yeah. And it's, funny when, it's, it's funny when you talk to somebody after they did it, and then they get all excited about, you know, I always give out the website, of course, and your telephone numbers and all that. So some of, some of these people may be listening to the call now or calling in. Because well, they get, they get what, excited. <laughs> when, once they've already shelled out those kind of bucks for extortion, which is what it is, and then they find out the truth, it's a lesson they will never forget. And now they're more determined than ever that the next one's not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, hindsight can be valuable. Well, just keep spreading the word. That's why the troops are growing. That's all I had. You guys have a great evening. You too. Did we lose you, Dave? No, I'm here. I, I was just <laughs> doing something. I was looking at things here. I was trying to upload that annual report that Terry did, and it says the attachments file size is too large. Maximum upload size is too big. Won't yeah. let me upload it. Oh, you have to. You'll have to put it in a zip file. Like that's what Gary does. Or use we transfer. There you go. I don't even know what that is. There's a website called WeTransfer. Um, I've used it a lot with Gary. And you go there and you basically tell them what your email address, who you want to send the file to. You select the file on your computer and it uploads to their server and sends the person an email and then they download it off their server and then it's gone. Nice. Yeah, and it's free. Thank you for that information. Well. Well, we'll have to Yeah, you have to do something. I was trying to get this stuff done while the call's going here and I'm not gonna fiddle with it anymore. All right. Well thank you, Brian. Okay, you guys have a great evening. All right, you too. <coughs> Okay. Obviously, let's go. it wasn't too big for email because I sent it to you. And no, I think I can get several meg on. Uh, let's go to North Georgia. You're unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, this is Charles. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? All right, doing pretty good. Dave, I had said I would get on the call, on the call last Monday, and that, and I and I I just couldn't make it, but I wanted to. Get some good news about the uh, $12,000 settlement. I love it. They, uh, yeah, got that got that settlement agreement signed today. It had to be notarized, and uh, and I scanned it and sent it back to them. So that ball is is uh, underway. They were tr- they had put on there 30 days for payment, and I requested them to change that to 10, and so they did it. <clears throat> he tried to give me some fluff about oh we got to see if the customer is willing to make that change. I'm like, man, come on with the BS, okay? 
About an hour later, they come back Friday morning and tell me, we will make that change and send it over to you shortly. So we were able to get the part done. There you and, go. Good. Uh, yeah. So I figured uh, late next week that check should be in. Very good. That's wonderful. Right. I love it. All right. It's now, been time yeah. for a, for a, a springtime, early summer vacation. Oh, I, I might not make the vacation, okay, but I've got I've got a little project that's uh, kind of been a thorn in my side for a minute, and that's just gonna that's gonna take care of it. Oh, there you go. That's one of the things I want to get done. Well, um, now I do have a question for you. Okay. So I was telling you guys, I talk, we talked a couple of times about my buddy's uh, garnishment. So yeah. we sent the uh, dev validation in. They finally responded. So they sent a bunch of paperwork, and I was trying to look at it Friday. And so basically what they're trying to do is to uh, offer him an opportunity to have a hearing. On his okay. case, and you know, uh, and, you know, so I, I thought that was pretty good. So is that is that kind of like customary? I mean, have you have you heard of that before? Well, you never know what's going on. You know, these okay. these things are handled differently in different parts of the country. Different courts do things differently. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I thought that was a, a would be a pretty good response. I mean, at least that gives him an opportunity. So what we're curious on is that. Um, Will that be enough? Will they send a notification into the uh, his payroll department, let them know that this thing is under dispute and that um, it should stop garnishing, or, or is it something that really needs to to be sent to his um, payroll department? A letter from an attorney. I know we last we was talking about the uh, emergency TRO. Well, did you did he apply for a TRO? Did he file for a TRO? Hell no. Well, I don't know what the hesitancy was with that, okay? I don't know if it was the money. I mean, we he, he talked all around that thing. So I'm like, come on, man. So the only thing I didn't do was just come out and, and tell him, shoot with me straight, why you don't want to get it done. Is that one of the things he told me, he says, he says so is, is, you know, will that, is that a guarantee that they will stop? I said, I can't give you that. I don't know your paper. Well, if he doesn't, you know, you, you can stop and think about something. If he doesn't want to help himself, why are you mm-hmm. helping him? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to see how much long, you know, what, he, what, what his next move is going to be, and that's going to help His, his next move him. needs to be get off his ass. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> no, you know, I'll say it. I'll say it. You know, don't do this stuff for somebody that isn't lifting a finger and, and wants to mm-hmm. screw around. You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm trying to help you, but you got to do right. something here. You know, right? It, this isn't my job. I'm I'm just trying to give you the benefit of some of the knowledge I have and the resources I have. Right. But you know what? If you don't want to come on these calls and ask the questions and learn anything, and you don't want to take any action, guess what? It's in your lap. I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah. That's exactly the way I'd handle it. Okay. Because gotcha. it's it's not your problem. No. It is, and you are very gracious and generous with your time and your effort to help people. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> helping somebody else is not appreciated. And well, you don't right. need that. Well, you know, it's it's not your job. That's the bottom line. You know, it's yeah. his problem. It's his responsibility to do something. You know, if I want something done, do I... Uh, if I have something I need to get done, do I go out and say, hey, you know, uh, will you take and load this whole truckload of stuff for me? 
Well, okay, how much are you going to pay me? I'm not going to pay you a damn thing. Will you just do it for me? Uh, no. Well, that's like that TV commercial where the guy says, oh, do you know any handymen, uh, any roofers? And the guy says, uh, yeah, maybe I do. And he says, oh, well, he says, could you get two or three estimates, do a background check, schedule it for next Tuesday around 10. We'll be back by then. See ya. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. now people, it, it's called self-responsibility. And if mm-hmm. he's not wanting to help himself, why should you help him? I mean, if he's cool with them, continue taking out the uh, garnishment until we get the situation resolved and a uh, chance of him not ever getting that money back, I do live with that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you just need to tell him, hey, if you're not willing to step mm-hmm. up and help yourself, why should I help you? There's other uh, people, I'll be talking with him tomorrow. There's yeah. other people who can benefit from your help. That are more and will and will probably day. be much more appreciative. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And we'll take the All bull right. by the horns as much as they are able to, and try and help themselves. Yeah. Okay. I see. I I think you can tell I have little patience for people that don't want to help themselves, but they want something right. somebody else to do. Dave something. and I have had right. to learn that lesson the hard way. Well, we speak from experience, right. sadly. Right, right, Dave? Yep. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Dave and I both, and take it from us, it's better you learn the lesson now. It can be more painful, correct? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, like I say, my, my very simple advice is, you know, hey, uh, if you're not willing to help yourself, don't ask me to help you. Okay. Plain right. and simple. You know, and, and don't tell me you're going to do something. Show me you're going to do it. Right. Actions speak louder than words. I don't. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. Gotcha. Okay. Now, if you're going to do it, I'll help you with it, but I'm not going to do it for you. Right. So there you go. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Hi guys. Thanks. All right. Take her easy. All right. Okay. Well, we had somebody else that was in the queue there, and they disappeared. I don't know where they went. If anybody else has got questions or comments, hit star eight. That'll put you in the queue, and we'll take your comment or question. And if we don't have anybody else that pops up, well, then I guess we'll balance some of the longer calls we've had lately, and we'll get done maybe just a few minutes early tonight. I'm not against that. No, I'm not either. I'll uh, I'll have to see if I can put that thing in a zip file and send it up to the website, get that. I wanted to get that stuff done so people have that available to them. Well, it would appear that nobody's uh, sticking a hand up in the air, so I guess we'll wrap things up for tonight. Uh, There is no call tomorrow, but Wednesday we have a webinar. Right, Terry? That's right. Why don't you give give everybody an overview of what we're doing? We will be going over the various types of responses you get back after you send those letters, just like we were talking about with the earlier caller mm-hmm. and his uh, similar response that he got. Um, there is a PDF attached to the webinar for Wednesday. Please download that before the webinar. It has 18 pages, and each page is a different um, part of response that we will be going over in detail. 
the pages are marked 1 through 18 with a magic marker and a big number so that you can follow along with us. You're going to need that PDF. Please download it in advance. And I'm going to uh, put everybody on advance notice. I uh, This Wednesday, that's part five. And then the only part left for the webinar series will be part six, which is going to be a Q&A session having to do with the whole full file disclosure webinar series. But normally it's every two weeks. However, I don't know for sure yet. I may not know for a couple of days. Um, I may know on, by Wednesday. I may be gone on all of the 25th. And if I am gone all of the 25th, I will probably ask Gary to move up the last um, series instead of waiting two weeks after this Wednesday. The Q&A session might be the following Wednesday because uh, if I'm going to be gone, I'll be out of town and I won't be able to do you know, a webinar on the 25th. So I might move it up a week. I'll let you know on Wednesday if I if I know. It's all going to depend on my husband's work schedule. So. All right. Well, so there's the word, everybody. And, of course, uh, like I said, uh, there's no call tomorrow night. This is the uh, off week. And for all the members, get in there. The information is in the forum. I'm posting stuff in the uh Pleading section under the FCRA tab. I'll see about getting this stuff put in that we talked about tonight. The uh, preservation of electronic records letter will be uh, put in there. And uh, I'll see about getting the Equifax annual report that Terry uh, did the work on. I'll put that in there. So uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get it in there. But uh, then, of course, the rest of the week through the weekend, if you've got questions, post them in the website. Uh, and we'll be back here next Monday night at 9 o'clock Eastern again like we always do. I hope everybody uh, has a great week and a great weekend. And thank you, Terry. Thank you, John. Appreciate you guys being here. And we're going to call it a night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. See you Wednesday. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.